0: Good morning, Meridian, and welcome to Grind, Grace, and Growth, every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. here on Supertalk 103.3 FM. Each day we wake up to start the daily grind. We try to do everything with grace, with the goals of growth, brought to you by Snowden and Company Real Estate, Brad Bearfield Shelter Insurance, the Rock House Gun and Pond, the Back Porch of Meridian, the Magnolia Soap and Bath Company, Family Flea Market, And Queen City Athletics Volleyball Club. And today we have a genius in the studio. I would say a musical genius. And we're gonna get to know him a little bit better. We have the maestro of the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. Peter, welcome. Thank you. And glad to be here. Thanks. And what's your last name? Rubart. Rubart.
1: Perfect. Yes.
0: Like, I just know you as Maestro. That's that what works everyone. Also, but most people call me Peter. But I'm like, yeah. Maestro Peter. That's what. That works. I'm like, he's awesome. It's all fine. I think Maestro is your first name and Peter's your last name. <laughs> <laughs> that would
1: be odd on a birth certificate, wouldn't it? It would
0: be. <laughs> and I know Maestro is a very, very hard title in the journey, probably to obtain. So I want to know about you. I want to know your journey and your diverse, eclectic talent, how, how, we're, how we're here. So tell me where you started.
1: So I grew up in California in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I grew up in a household that enjoyed music and loved music. And my mother was a a modestly talented amateur musician. And my dad was very good at listening to the radio. And um, honestly, not the kind of background that most professional musicians end up growing up in. And yet both my brother and I ended up as professional musicians. Um, and one step along the way for that, for us, for my brother and I, was we both sang in the San Francisco Boys Chorus. Really? Yeah. My dad so, sang in a boys choir. Yeah. And something about, you know, having that kind of exposure at that age, you know, where where things before thing, everything gets so hard, you know, and and um, that was very important. And the, the, it's a notable chorus. We sang with the San Francisco Opera and the San Francisco Symphony. We toured around the country some. Um, and there was a director there who was, in retrospect, very formid- formative, formative and inspiring and and she I think shaped an awful lot of people including myself and my brother Um, I had started piano lessons somewhat dutifully My my parents being you know good parents sent their kids to the local piano teacher Uh, that was a disaster I was a terrible piano student early on just (laughs) terrible Uh, but when my voice changed um, and I realized that without the chorus there was going to be a really big gap in my life that I was really actually really interested in this. And I went and I found another piano teacher. I did much better my second time around. Um, And uh, it was really through him that I started to get interested in orchestras. Uh, He was also a conductor, and I tagged along with him sometimes on his way to rehearsals and things like that and just sort of watched how this, this orchestra... Organism works, you know what what makes it tick, what the levers are that that make it come together. Um, and really, by the time I was in high school, I I was just an orchestra rat. The only thing I was interested in was orchestras, and I would. Um, You know, I would go to all of the local orchestras, San Francisco Symphony, Oakland Symphony. I'd just go all the time. I'd I'd sneak into rehearsals. I'd just watch everything. Um, And and so, and that's it. I started studying, you know, sort of more formally early on. It's the only thing I've ever really studied. That's why I, I did an undergraduate degree in Berkeley, at Berkeley in music. Um, had a very inspiring teacher there, uh, went on, studied at Stony Brook. I, I studied in Vienna for a couple of years. I had a Fulbright Fellowship. And in Vienna, whole, Italy? Vienna, Austria. Austri- oh, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, um, and came back and, and then also went to school and got a, a doctorate at, in conducting at Juilliard. And so I went to school for a long, long time. It takes a long time to learn how to do all of this. At least my path w- was that path. Not everybody's path is that way. Um, but that was the path that I ended up I, – I like school. I, I always, If I could still go to school, I'd still be going. It's, I really enjoyed it. But that's – that was how I got where I got, and since then I've 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 made my living conducting professional orchestras, and it's it's been wonderful. It's I'm very grateful for life in music.
0: I love that story. Yeah, and when I hear Juilliard, I think, wow, wow, mm-hmm. like that's every musician's artists dream dancers dream musicians dream to go to juilliard and study there yeah so all i can say is he conducts our meridian orchestra like how blessed are we as such a small town not a small town here in mississippi but wow the experience that you bring and the knowledge that you bring to conduct Mm -hmm. this fantastic beautiful symphony yeah. Amazing. Well it's it's how'd they find you? Or did you find <laughs> us?
1: No, they came and found me. Like, um, how'd we find you? Who found you? I want to know. Uh, do you know Dr. Cecil Johnson? He was probably my first contact. Well he was definitely my first contact um from from Meridian. Uh he and Dr. John McCann, um, pediatrician. Uh Cecil was a surgeon. They're both retired now. Um they reached out to me um and they they had a situation with my predecessor here i don't don't know all the details but things had not had started to not work out so well and cecil just reached out to me and said he's asked around and people in the region say that they should call me and so that's kind of where it started and i came up and they had looked at a number of different uh potential music directors i guess and then i came up and did a holiday pops concert and and it it went forward from there um but it's 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 you know it works both ways it's like yes i i have worked worked hard and i i hope that i am still i'm i trust that i'm still able to to bring the, the right talents and the skills but but the orchestra, it, it's, it's a teamwork kind of a thing. And, and this is, is a, a fascinating thing about orchestras. Like the music director, it's, it's sometimes referred to as a benign dictatorship because it's all about saving rehearsal time. That's that's really what everything is about in the orchestra's world because rehearsal time is so precious. You've got 60 highly skilled professionals sitting in one place for a very limited amount of time and you have to accomplish a lot. And the only way to really make that efficient is for somebody to just take charge and say this is what we're doing better play the right note (laughs) well but it's 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 just you just just have to do it but it's but it's also the music director's job to elicit out of those players their best performance um and in that point of view sometimes i really think of myself you know less as a as a uh quote maestro unquote or a dictator but it's really kind of more like a coach you know that just sort of builds you know puts the team together figures out you know that that if, if if this person does that and that person does that then 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 this will happen and something moves forward. Um, so that's really the, the larger part of it. And from that point of view, you know, I just I feel incredibly fortunate to come and I look at the people on the stage that there's incredible skills up there on that stage. Incredible skills. People that have been practicing their instruments. Like when I was a seven-year-old kid and kind of screwing around on the piano, they were seven years old and working really hard. Right, and and they, and now here we are on stage together, and I'm I'm grateful for for all of the wonderful music we get to play.
0: I think that the violin is the most beautiful sounding instrument ever. Yeah, I love going to the orchestra and seeing every single violin going the same way right. up and down, up right. and down with the bow, and to me, it's just watching the orchestra in itself watching it work as a machine is fascinating yeah and it's it's in itself a whole art of just watching like you said 60 people work together and the sound that comes out like you're just wow yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the visuals of an orchestra are, are fascinating. They they are. You know, you, you 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 mentioned, you know, the bows moving together. And, and, and yes, uh, for a good professional orchestra, that happens. It's that's part of a librarian's job is to get the parts all marked and also part of the music director's job to get the parts marked the way he or she wants the piece played but but yes that's that that's part of it but you watch the wind players like they have to come in together and they breathe together you know you watch the percussion players who maybe they they have to play a snare drum and then after two bars of rest they have to go over and play the xylophone and they put down their snare drum sticks grab their part move to a different stand pick up the xylophone sticks play that and and you know there's just like every family of instruments has their own little Choreography that, and they then the through. brass, right? the
0: trumpet. My right. gosh, the trumpet is to me probably the most recognizable sound in the orchestra, mm-hmm. as besides winds, obviously. But as far as a brass instrument, instrument, it's just it's so dominating. The trumpet is well, it me. can be,
1: but then you see, it's it's you also to to play it well means knowing how to play it without dominating. But a lot
0: of times it's very dominating.
1: Right, right. (laughs) But but so that's that's that like opens up the whole question of like one of the music director's critical jobs is what we refer to as balance. Um, So a composer, let's say you go back to the time of of um, Mozart, Beethoven. Yeah, but back that far. They're really smart Er, people. Early early 19th century, and. Maybe the composer says, I want this loud here, and so he marks every line forte. in the score forte, every line loud. Well, if a trumpet player plays loud, it's a whole lot louder than if Fleur. a violinist plays loud or if, say, a clarinet player plays loud, right? So a good trumpet player has to learn that when I'm playing Mozart and it says loud, that, I'm not going to play the same way I play for Tchaikovsky yeah. or even more so the same way I play for, for Bruckner or Bartok or, you know, because Mozart's orchestra was small and the instruments were different and the rooms were different and the audience expectations were different. There was was no traffic noise. (laughs) There were all the things that are, I mean, our society now is so much louder than it was in Mozart's time. So if a trumpet plays... Loud, like 21st century loud, it's going to be a disaster in a Mozart symphony. So, so that's just one of the things that great players, you know, that's what they learn in their training, and and they bring that. And we have a marvelous principal trumpet here. He's he's the professor at USM, and and a widely skilled he player. Is. He He yeah. played
0: at music and movies.
1: Yes, he did. He that's did. right. He played the he solo. Yeah, solo. He, he, yes, yes he did. Uh, See, I remember, of Malice oh gosh. From, that, um, John music Williams and movies. School. I've
0: talked yeah. to you about this. I mean, yeah. I just that and that's the last symphony I went to. Yeah. So I need to I need to book my tickets for another symphony. I love going to the symphony. Yeah. And we're so blessed. Gosh, Cara Purvis is amazing. She's amazing.
1: And terrific.
0: she has been, I believe, with the symphony now for what, about a year and a half?
1: A little more than that, maybe two and a half, three, As the executive like that.
0: director, yeah. and I'm yeah. going to tell you what, she's moving and shaking. She is. Oh, she yeah. is a mover she is. and she's a shaker. Fearless.
1: She is fearless. And it's interesting what she's done, and this is sort of something that's happened really throughout the country in, in our field. Um, I think orchestras everywhere recognize that, That we have, we sort of come into existence around playing Beethoven and Brahms on Saturday night in tuxedos. But our longevity and our true calling and our true service to the communities that support us comes from from finding ways to help the community that's much broader than that. Education. A, 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 education, some of the initiatives that we're doing now with a music therapist, for example. I love music stuff, therapy. All of those kinds of things. It really you know so here's something that's really important to know about about symphony orchestras, right? We sell tickets to concerts. And normally when people think that that. They, they buy tickets to concerts, that there must be a business model behind that that says, okay, I pay for my ticket along with everybody else, and that pays for the concert, right? That nothing could be farther from the truth, right? W- yes, we do sell tickets. The ticket sales that we have account for something like 20 to 25% of our expenses, right? We are a nonprofit. We're proudly a nonprofit. Um, and, and, and so... At the same time that we are selling tickets, we are also drawing resources out of the community in many other ways. You know, from like like in in this case, the Riley Foundation, the Hardin Foundation, Mississippi Arts Council grants, things like that. And with that comes the obligation to act like a nonprofit and be of service. And, and that is something that the Meridian Symphony has, has deeply embraced. And Cara has really, really opened up all kinds of new arenas for us to, to pursue that mission in. I,
0: I love that. And I love how, again, going back, Kara has really—when I moved here 12 years ago— the Meridian Symphony Orchestra was like, oh, we're going to go to the orchestra. Now it's oh, like, man. we're going to the orchestra.
1: Right.
0: You right. have to go to the symphony. If you haven't seen the Meridian Symphony Orchestra, that's your fault.
1: Yeah, it's, it's your bad. It's and that's
0: showing your ignorance because it is the most beautiful, wonderful piece of work, art, watching it, hearing it, seeing it car come on stage seeing you perform seeing all of our talent that comes to our city and all i can think about it's like when i go to disney world i think about gosh how long did it take to make this one totem pole at disney world like in, and okay. in, how long did it take how much effort did it take to make this one piece of music the amount of hours the travel time the amount of practice right. the effort the heart that it goes to putting on a show for our community. We have to appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a marvelous, I've been doing, as I mentioned earlier, I I haven't really done anything else for most of my life. And, and it never fails to intrigue me and fascinate me. um, Like, you know, to this day. I cry every time I go to the orchestra. I'm not going to
0: lie. I'm a a crier. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I just love it. It's, it's, the most, one of the most magical things I've ever experienced and, yeah. and just emotional kind of a little, it's oh, it it's is. very
1: moving. Well, well it, it, you know, music hits a part of us that you can't always get at any other way. And, and the, um, the ways in which music can touch people, um, there's a great saying and I, it's been attributed to various people uh, along the ways, but the gist of it is, you know, music picks up where language leaves off. And you know we can talk and talk about it, but there are certain feelings, emotions that music brings to people that the, there aren't words for that and and they're different for everybody and it really gets into that sort of indescribable realm that is, and it's access to that realm that is, that is really very, very nurturing for us.
0: So as you're talking about this, um, I have a passion that I have. I've always done fundraising for Alzheimer's. Mm. And my dad has frontal temporal lobe, dementia, other known as Lewy body, dementia, early onset. He's 67. So there are study after study after study. That shows when alzheimer's patients listen to music from their era they yeah. they are happy and they're smiling and they have moments of clarity yeah going back to the music therapy thing yeah my father was in the boys choir trombone mm-hmm. family of six preacher's son mm-hmm. every single person in that family was a very gifted musician grew up myself playing the saxophone the oboe and the piano secrets people don't know about me loved the oboe the best did start playing the oboe till I was a sophomore in high school uh-huh. um, I love the oboe it's fascinating and it's beautiful yeah. Yeah. but my dad now having dementia he taught me everything I know about music and I'll go and I'll sit with him at the nursing home and I'll show him videos or things listen to music with him at the nursing home and he, i see his face smile yeah. and i see him light up and it just brings me joy yeah. to see my father that we can still have that love of music and he taught me everything and kn- again everything mm-hmm. i know about music and rock and roll classic southern rock every genre of music my father taught me about he also taught me to write mm-hmm. how to write music mm-hmm. so tell me as i'm sp- sitting here and I don't want to cry about it. Music therapy is so important to our elderly and to our dementia patients. Tell me about the music therapy program that the Meridian Symphony Orchestra is doing.
1: Well, I honestly, um, I, I would really need to refer that over to Cara. Over to Cara, y- you know. We'll, we'll get Cara she's in here the, in a few she, weeks. Yeah, yeah. I save that one. I think for your interview with Cara because um, she has been. That's been a long time passion for hers to get that going, um, and you know I mentioned earlier that it's that that part of what the Meridian Symphony is doing and many orchestras are doing is sort of broadening that footprint, and that's wonderful to do that. Um, my core involvement is still the Saturday nights. You know, that's that's kind of as music director, that's that's still um, that that's that's still where my primary emphasis is, and where and where my time goes. And what's wonderful now is that the orchestra has been able to expand enough that that we have people that do things like run the music therapy program like cara and in fact we do have a new staff person just about to start that's going to to play a a major role in community engagement and and outreach and that kind of stuff so so i'll I'll have to hand that off to uh
0: that's what i always like to say when i don't know a question i'll say i'm gonna have to get back to your let me talk to hilda she can help you (laughs) or call hilda you know, as right. the GM here at Super right. Talk Meridian, I ha- have the title of GM, but we all know that Hilda's really the boss the here. She's the been show. the boss. She's been here for 10 years. But, right. um, you know, we're just so grateful that you're in the studio and that you're sharing your time with us today. And I just Thank you. I can't I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time just to share your heart. So going back to you and what you like to do. So I know that you live where I'm from in yes. pensacola yes. yeah so tell me when you're not being maestro fantastico what do you like to do <laughs> in your spare time and i know your wife is on the faculty of my alma mater yes go argos right. university of west florida also known as the nautiluses or seashells but if you don't know what argonaut is it's a spanish conquistador i had to do the research on that but Tell me a little bit about what you like to do when you're not
1: being brilliant. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> so um, I, are you just actually, brilliant all the time? No, no. You, you no, have no, to no, ha- no, take no. a break from oh, being brilliant.
0: You know that, that right?
1: Me know. Um, <laughs> like, do you paddleboard? Do you like to fish? I, I do not like to fish. I don't like to touch no, fish. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't like to fish. I don't. I do not hunt um i do i i enjoy general fitness things i I bicycle a fair amount i jog a fair amount um, my my real summertime passion is actually not in Pensacola. Um, I I love going to mountains and hiking in the. Mountains.
0: I love hiking. Yeah, so I'm a big hiker. And really, you're gonna have to write yeah. down your hiking spots for me. Well, I grew up
1: in California, as I mentioned. Well, I lived in L.A. Um, so, well, the the Sierras in California was like my summer playground every year growing up, and I just I just loved it, and I have been out. Uh, to the sierras just about every summer uh, i i moved away from the bay area in 82 but i've been out every I was summer one.
0: since i was one years old
1: yeah okay <laughs> i'm just kidding so, i'm uh, gonna be a hard time <laughs> so i was um yeah so i go out and, and i was just out in the sierras uh three weeks ago did a, a big six night hike in uh, northern yosemite so when you so, say you hike okay
0: there's two different types of hikers there's people that hike like me where I go in for the day and then I want to go sleep in a cabin. Mm. So do you, do you pack your, mm. you, you, you take I'm a ba- your, I'm a you, you take your tent, a, <laughs> you, a, take your a, height. I, you take I, your hike. you take your, I take everything I need.
1: <laughs> so you're a real camper. I, I, I put on a pack and I carry my food and my tent and,
0: and uh, yeah. You're the real my, deal. My, yeah. You're yeah. a real camper. You're really outdoorsy. Yeah. I like to say I'm outdoorsy, but I like a a potty. Yeah. No, 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 no. I dig a hole. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. So do you get a lot of, as I, I love to paddleboard. I love to be on Mm -hmm. the water, which is from Pensacola, Destin. Right. Do you get a lot of inspiration when you're on that mountain?
1: It's like talking to God. Yeah. In, in, in many ways. Yes. Um, it's. It's time to change the the, the pace, the gears, when, the gears. When you're up there, and in that sense, you can breathe more deeply and sense larger, larger forms of beauty. Exactly, and, and that happens when you spend six days in Yosemite. You
0: Does know? your wife go yeah. with you? No, <laughs> no. Do you go by yourself? Yeah. You go by yourself? Yeah. This last time I went by myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just time to meditate and reflect and yeah. to open your mind and just to be able to plan yeah. your next move, maybe. I don't know. You're so brilliant. I don't and get I, a lot of
1: exercise also. Get a lot of exercise. It's a lot of yeah. <laughs> well, guess what?
0: <laughs> Maestro, Peter, we are out of time. I have mm-hmm. so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank and you, Shelley. I've it. You're welcome it also. anytime to come back on Grind Grace and Growth. I okay. just think we have so much. We could have probably six episodes talking about hiking and outdoorsy mm. stuff and Indeed. being nerds.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> good.
0: So anyways, everyone, thank you for listening to Grind, Grace, and Growth today. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. or live stream our show on the Super Talk mississippi app you can also listen to our podcast series on spotify under grind grace and growth again and if you would like to sponsor our show make sure you call our studio at 601-693-1103 and i'm sure hilda will answer the phone so y'all have a great day and go make a difference in this world